Faced with an uncertain future, many business owners and technology professionals don't have the time needed to invest in their business technology strategies. And as a result, they're afraid of their technology getting outdated and putting their company and customers' information at risk. The digital future is already here, but with all different choices in the marketplace, it's difficult to know which one will be the best fit for you and your strategic vision. Imagine having the peace of mind that your business is backed by the right technology investments that are tailored for your specific needs. Hi, I'm Brian Nichols, and I've helped countless business owners and technology professionals just like you, helping you make informed decisions about what technologies are best to invest in for your business. Voice, bandwidth, cybersecurity, business continuity, juggling all the aspects of business technology is messy. Let me help. Head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash help and sign up for a free one-on-one -on -one consultation with yours truly to dig deep into where you see your company heading and how we can align your business technology towards those goals. Again, that's briannicholsshow.com forward slash help to get your simplified business technology started. Future Antonio, today. welcome to the program. Selling is all about, really, it's, we're not selling a product, you're not selling a service, you're not selling value, you're not selling whatever you think you're selling, a solution. You're selling change. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. As a sales and marketing executive in the greater telecommunications cybersecurity industry, Brian works with C-level executives to help them future-proof their company's infrastructure for an uncertain future. And in each episode, Brian takes that experience and applies it to the liberty movement. And this is why we talk about being the trusted advisor. You should be able to help use that expert guidance and all the opinions that I'm sure that you have and help lead them towards not just a decision, but the right decision. Instead of focusing on simply winning arguments or being right, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and their application in the world of politics, showing you how to ask better questions, tell better stories, and ultimately change people's minds. And now, your host, Brian Nichols. Well, happy Sunday there, folks. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show, and thank you for joining us on, of course, another fun-filled episode. I am, in fact, your humble host, and thank you for joining us on today's episode. Now, first, elephant in the room, I know we have not heard from our good friend Jeremy Todd in his episode, Sell Liberty. Well, if you're you're dying to hear it, you can head over to uh, the Sell Liberty Facebook page and uh, check out the live stream re-air from back on Thursday. But in the meantime, I promise we'll get the audio version uploaded. Just, uh, hey, Jeremy is a dad, and he's also a husband, and he has a family, and he's out doing stuff, so let him do stuff. No worries, I promise you, you will get the audio to you guys on, uh, well, I say almost said on Saturday, at some point, I promise, because uh, today is Sunday. Uh, and speaking of Sunday, Today, we are hearing from a, a, just an absolute rock star of a candidate running down in Florida's 20th congressional district, and that is one libertarian, Mike Termont. Now, Mike is joining the program as the libertarian candidate facing Jason Mariner, who is the Republican candidate, and then uh, he'll be facing one of two Democratic candidates yet to be decided because the vote totals is less than, I kid you not, 10 votes. Uh, so that is TBD between uh, the, the top two Democratic candidates. But with that being said, Mike joins the show to discuss, well, why is he running as a libertarian? And I, I'll tell you right now, the best answer I've heard, because he is a libertarian, uh, but also uh, specifically the issues. What issues is he looking at? Both the Republicans and Democrats are not answering and why a libertarian voice not only is important to have as a seat at the table, but also will have the solutions that will help solve the problems that people see before them, specifically in Florida's 20th Congressional District. A great conversation to be had. So with that being said, on to the show, Mike Termod here on The Brian Nichols Show. Thank you very much, Brian. It's great to be with you. 
Absolutely, Mike. Thank you for joining us on today's uh, special Sunday Candidate Highlight Series because I know people, they're, they're wiping their brow. The, the marathon they thought was over. Election season's passed us, and we're here recording the, the day after. Um, we had, as it did, no, today's Thursday. I, I can't even you know do, do math right now or do, do days. Um, but yes, we are just after the, uh, the, the elections, and people thought they were done. But no, we are just getting started down in the 20th Congressional. And by the time this airs on Sunday, we probably still won't be finished with the recount to determine who the Democratic candidate is. It's wild. Yeah. So you're you're obviously the libertarian nominee uh, for the, the Florida uh, 20th Congressional District down there uh, in, in the southern uh, part of the United States. And then you have a chance now to face it was either going to be Dale Holness or Sheila. Uh, help me there. Sheila McCormick. McCormick. AKA the UBI princess. She's the one that believes that she can move Congress to give away a thousand dollars of our money every month to most Americans. Now I, I preface this by saying the day we're recording, because as of the, the date we are actually recording and when this airs, who knows if she's going to be in second place or first place, because right now her and Dale are only separated by nine votes. So it's it's wild to think that this is, could be really going on on Sunday. We might find out. But if not, Mike, how about this? Let's just go back and talk about the reason folks probably downloaded this episode to begin with. And that is they want to hear from you. They want to get to know who you are, because uh, right now we just saw you know here on, on Election Day, uh, candidly, a, a very big red wave. So I think a lot of people are looking at libertarian candidates, rightly or wrongly, a little weary. Do, do they invest their vote in a third party candidate when the Republican Party seems to be starting to have some some you know groundswell and echoing the, the sentiments of liberty? We're seeing people like Corey DeAngelis get some school choice uh, initiatives into action, looking at people like, uh, you know, even though the Republicans, Glenn Youngkin up in Virginia, who's saying in his first term he's going to do school choice initiatives. So. I guess right now it's tough for people. So let's hear what's the libertarian well, take. Uh, I appreciate your analysis, uh, giving uh, the the red folks, uh, the Republican Party, the benefit of the doubt. But I can't help wondering whether most of the Republican vote wasn't actually an anti-Democratic uh, Party vote. In other words, if there were a libertarian in the Virginia race, how well would she or he have done? Maybe uh, pretty well. I think I would argue the Democratic Party has overplayed its hand. Uh, I think they're out of touch with how most Americans feel about vaccine mandates, uh, even mask mandates. I think the Democratic Party is out of touch with how most Americans feel about trillions of dollars of spending. I think the Democratic Party is out of touch uh, with how most Americans feel parents ought to be in control of their children's education. And so in that sense, I think Republicans were handed a, a big gift. And I think that it actually plays into the wheelhouse of a libertarian even more than a Republican. Hmm. Interesting, because I, I'm, you know, I'll, I'll honestly I'm challenging you, but more so I'm just going to see your thoughts because I have heard a lot of folks, even some libertarians who say, well, we have seen, though, you know, at least even though it's a pushback from more of the left that at least there is pushback because in the past, it seems that the Republicans have been more so just kind of going along to get along, not really wanting to be confrontational. And now we're seeing, I would say, folks like the Thomas Massey's, like the Rand Paul's having a role. It, it, do you see that maybe that's one argument in the favor of the supporting the GOP camp? 
Yeah, I would agree with that. And I would say that the Republicans who are most libertarian with a lowercase l will fare the best um, because a lot of these issues are not necessarily uh, best characterized as economic issues. They're not necessarily best character. Some some issues are just, you know, explicitly economic issues. Uh, and some issues are explicitly foreign affairs or military issues. But most of them revolve around how we feel about individuals' rights. And, uh, you know, that's Libertarian Party bread and butter. But you're right. It is bread and butter to the, uh, the, the Mr. and Mr. Paul's. Uh, of the world. So good for them. And yeah, a Libertarian Party member might say, you know, maybe I'm a little jealous that the Republicans are doing well in this sense, but you have to admit anything that takes down a Democrat in, in, in these days is probably a good thing for the United States. I was surprised and pleased to see that Tulsi Gabbard said as much, uh, not per se taking down a Democrat, but, but Tulsi did say it was a good thing for the United States that the Virginia gubernatorial race went the way it did. That, I thought that was surprising. Yeah, well, I, I think there's a lot of people who nod in agreement because they, they agree, too. And and at le- and let's start off because I'm not I'm not really politically you know leaning one way or another in terms of the, the LP or the GOP. Um, you know, I'm gonna, I'm much more in terms of, I guess it, it might come across Machiavellian, but really whatever works. Um, if the LP, like we've had a I lot get of, that. yeah, we've had a lot of LP, uh, success here over the past, uh, election cycle in terms of getting more local candidates into office. Thumbs up. That's awesome. Um, but then you look at the more, I would say competitive races where let's say you had Thomas Massey, right? I- at least you can objectively say maybe it wouldn't make as much sense in that case because Hey, he's holding down the floor. He's doing his part. But I mean, I look at, you know, a state like New Jersey, right? I would say there still was a role for somebody like uh, a Greg Neely to at least try to, to push the issue in terms of what Jack Chitterelli should be arguing. Now, granted, unfortunately, despite my 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 efforts, I've had Greg on the show twice, um, we still could not get him over 1%, which is unfortunate. But uh, yeah. you look at states like New Jersey, and I see it really does, it, you have a much more fostered mentality of the hive mind, right? The left, right. Yeah. I think part of the problem is we don't, we don't look at the elections in context because every election is not the same. If you have a built up base of local candidates in a community who can start to build name recognition, that's different than just having Joe Schmo run as the random person. And, th- and I think that's where we're seeing a difference is that we're starting to win more of those local elections. So, uh, I mean, of hey, course. That's a, that's a, you're exactly right. And it, it does matter a great deal. Uh, I would also say that there's something there to be learned from the fact that a uh, Republican uh, conservative minded truck driver took down the president of the Senate in in the Garden State of New Jersey. Um, You know, that just says more, I believe, about the Democratic Party than it says about uh, anybody else. The other thing I found uh, very instructional was the mainstream media Democratic, I repeat myself, Democratic leaning media uh, analysis on the day after and the day after that. They really believe that there is something wrong uh, with their, you know, more with their messaging than their policies and politics. There's something wrong with the Republican base. Uh, I just think that uh, a lot of folks underappreciate the extent to which the Democratic Party is presenting ideas that the American public isn't buying and finds it easy to run against. 
you know, you just have to look at uh, the Biden administration's precipitously declining uh, poll numbers in the last couple of months to see that uh, there's something going on there that, that <laughs> would have predicted, uh, if nothing else, Virginia. Yeah, well, it's it's obvious. That's why Let's Go Brandon is everywhere. Um, and that's why well, that's a good point. That's why humor also has been ruled uh, the next tool of the alt-right. I did an episode on this a couple of days ago because it just makes you laugh. If, if if that's the argument that we're seeing presented against, you know, the the arguments against the, the, the left. I, I'm sorry, like you've you've jumped the shark at this point. But uh, I I'm excited because we are seeing people starting to say maybe I'm not for the way things have been. And and how about this? Enough yeah. about the, the Democrats and the Republicans because folks are here to learn about you, Mike. So you are presenting a different vision for the 20th district there down in Florida. So voters are going to have about two months or so as we record before they uh, will head over to uh, yeah. uh, do the, the actual election in the beginning of January. Um, so let's start off. Why We're on January 11. Yeah, there you go. And, and really quick, what was it? Because I, I, I mean, everybody's got to have the why, right? I always tell my sales team, find your why. What's your why, Mike? Why, why are you running for, for office and specifically as a libertarian? Well, I'm, I am a libertarian, so it's the only way I can run and be true to myself. But the reason that I'm running is because I do believe that folks in District 20, A, need a more libertarian approach to a lot of the problems here. A lot of the problems here fall into my personal wheelhouse. Uh, they're challenges that I've cared about a great deal for a long, long time. I'm talking about the, the 1960s style war on poverty that absolutely has to change as well as police reform that I believe has to uh, A, come about and B, uh, be handled in a particular way. And the other reason uh, that, that, that I'm running is I believe that there's an educational component that every member of the Libertarian Party should feel obligated toward. Uh, the folks in District 20 uh, in the main, have no idea what libertarianism is. Um, it's it's up to us to get the word out, and a campaign is a good vehicle uh, through which to to do that. I spend a lot of hours, for example, one of my favorite activities is to stand in the Walmart parking lot and hand out flyers by the hundreds. I pass out something like eight thousand pieces of literature. Uh, to date, standing in the uh, Walmart parking lots, and you get a lot of good conversations there. Uh, not only a chance to spread libertarianism, but to hear, uh, as, as as Brian Nichols says, uh, you get to hear where people are. You get to meet them where they're at in terms of what's on their minds politically. But the big issues that you hear about are police reform. Uh, I'm a police officer myself. And I believe that police reform is important, but it has to be managed uh, just so, as, as, uh, as you might say. I'm not a fan of uh, this idea of defunding, which is cropped up on the Democratic side. I'm not a fan of the way the Republican Party has handled it, especially at the federal level, where they simply uh, dig it in their heels and block most police reform. I believe that we have an opportunity over the next couple of years in the United States, and it probably will take a lot more than a couple of years. But we have an opportunity to make law enforcement more like other industries and less subject to protection by unions, uh, denial of citizens, their right to redress in courts, uh, opportunities for cities to 
to more easily fire bad officers, pay good ones better, uh, and, and build that bond, uh, rebuild the trust between police officers and communities. And of course, the other issue uh, that I spend so much time talking about uh, is the war on poverty and economics. Uh, law enforcement is a second career for me. I was an economist for many, many years, including in Washington, D.C., uh, which I, I try not to admit too often. I especially don't like to admit to the couple of years I spent working for the White House. But previous life, uh, previous career, one thing I learned is that the war on poverty just hasn't worked as a practical matter. Uh, philosophy aside, the idea of just throwing money at the problem, bringing money to individuals, uh, it doesn't work. You cannot give people money and at the same time, give them a crappy school system and expect that everything is going to be okay. Doesn't happen. You can't uh, throw money into a community, whether it's uh, just by giving them money, uh, like uh, Sheila Sherfalis McCormick wants to do, the Democrat trying to run down here who may or may not win the primary, or whether it's giving them money uh, through the subsidization of certain lifestyle elements, no matter how you do it, you can't throw money at them. And at the same time, given the world's most oppressive criminal justice system and think that everything is okay. It's, it's not going to, uh, to work out. So if there's anything that I can teach anyone who can hear my voice, it is this, that uh, poverty is a political phenomenon. It is not something that would be predicted merely uh, by market forces. It is not something that happens as a result of free, fair, open uh, markets. It is something that happens because of bad government policy. And we have plenty of it going on in the United States. And that's why we have this intergenerational, persistent poverty that's just very difficult to break out of. There so, is there is so much that I want to unpack that you were going through there because, number one, so you were an economist, okay, but then you became a police officer. Oh, by the way, you work for the White House. Um, casual. So let's start off. <laughs> let's that is several hundred years ago, though. I actually <laughs> uh, worked for the Thomas Jefferson administration. Oh, okay, so yeah. Very early. Lots changed now. since then. So let's start off. Okay, so you're you, you you moonlighted, shall we say, as an economist? No, um, you, you got your your economics. It was at uh, George Washington. Am I correct there? Yeah, went to grad school at uh, GW. It was a uh, as we say a rational expectations school, sort of a descendant of the Chicago school itself, a descendant of the uh, Austrian school. So gotcha. a very uh, pro market, free market type of environment, recognizing that. Uh, a lot of government policy just uh, you know, doesn't work very well and people are able to react to it in certain ways. Um, so that was sort of the, the, the basis. Uh, and then you were you worked for the White House. Which white, Do you mind us sharing which administration it was? Uh, yeah, it wasn't actually Thomas Jefferson. It was the next one, uh, George Herbert Walker Bush. I was a, uh, a civil servant economist working uh, along with several thousand uh of my closest friends uh, working on the budget for the Office of Management and Budget. And it was quite an education for a youngster. You know, when, when George Bush had said, read my lips, no new taxes, we were on board with that. And then when he, uh, you know, felt like he had to back off of that, uh, we can argue all day about whether he actually had to, to back off of that, right? There was a lot of disappointment. And as a, 
29-year-old uh, economist. Um, it, it, was, it was a bit of a heartbreak <laughs> and, uh, and a wake-up call that the world is going to be maybe more complicated than you wish it were and, and, and a little bit more disappointing than you wish it were at the same time. So was that that heartbreak what turned you into police officer? <laughs> no, uh, I went through a lot more heartbreak for another 20 years before becoming a police officer. Uh, I went to the police academy uh, at the age of 48 um, and uh, uh, put in 11 and a half years. My last day as a police officer was last Sunday. And wow. I don't like the R word, Brian. I don't like to say I retired. I like to say I quit because uh, <laughs> retiring is for old and lazy people. And uh, that's not where we, where we are. You're just getting started. I was going to say, you have way too much energy to uh, to say you're getting retired. No, no, you're just getting started, Mike. And that's that's exciting, too, because I, I think a lot of people are looking for someone who, as you mentioned earlier, who can meet them where they're at and, and enter into those conversations that they are already having. And you've already been out there. You've not only lived it as the police officer experiencing the, the side that I, I think a lot of people are empathetic with, especially my audience who are in the, the pro-police side, but you can address it by be, because you saw it from the inside. So could you dig into that a little bit? I mean, 11 years in the force, I'm sure there, there must be some things that have, have you know made that, you said it was one of your top issues. What, what, is there any stories that you're able to share there? Uh, no, absolutely not, but I'll tell you how I feel <laughs> about it anyway. Um, yeah. Police work has changed a lot in the last dozen years. Uh, you know, when I when I joined the force, it was still a, a fairly heavy-handed approach. You know, I think the public was still interested in in nothing but uh, crime fighting, and and was was fairly happy to turn the other way and didn't care how you did it, right? And and uh, and whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, whether you're a Libertarian or not, I think you all have to admit we all have to admit. Uh, that, that that had a real cost in terms of the trust between police officers and the community. Uh, not a very libertarian approach, right? So we've made a lot of progress uh, in terms of figuring out how to do things in a less heavy-handed way. But uh, we are still operating in an environment in which police officers are protected from their own mistakes far too often. And the, the problem with that is a police officer, now naturally a police officer is uh, glad when the union protects him or her uh, from being unduly punished, right? But as a police officer, just like anybody else, you like to be rewarded for good work, uh, but that necessarily means drawing a distinction between officers that are doing a good job and officers who are not. So I believe, and I believe increasingly, rank and file police officers are recognizing that things will one day be better off when our labor market is more like the labor market in other industries. When the good ones are paid more, the bad ones are paid less, uh, it's easier to hire and to fire, uh, easier to hire laterally, mid-career folks. Um, I do believe that at some point officers will be uh, required by the market forces, if nothing else, uh, to acquire liability insurance, like in high liability businesses and other industries, like doctors, for example. 
And having an insurance company involved will get around a lot of the roadblocks that unions naturally uh, put up because insurance companies are not going to put up the BS, frankly, that politicians put up with, right? Politicians just don't have the guts to negotiate hard enough with police unions. That's just the, the truth of the matter. I'm not necessarily saying that's a, absolutely a good thing always or a bad thing always, but uh, the truth of the matter is the politicians get steamrolled by unions, uh, sometimes willingly, sometimes unwillingly, but th that's the fact of the matter. It won't be the case uh, with an insurance carrier, right? An insurance carrier is not going to say, uh, well, uh, the union is uh, not wanting us to have all the information that we want about what happened in that incident last Friday, so we're not going to look into it. No, if if an uh, insurance carrier uh, doesn't find the transparency that it needs to carry out its business, you're not going to get insurance. So I, I think it's one way that the market can become more like other markets, more efficient, and in the long run, better for police officers. You know what's wild is I was just listening to another podcast, but overtly non-political podcast. It was a marketing podcast, but one of the reoccurring themes that they've been bringing up throughout these marketing podcasts has been just the fundamental change that has been taking place. And they're seeing it because NFTs, which are, are you know a subset of the, the crypto world, you're, you're seeing more and more of that blockchain technology starting to take over in, in the marketing spaces. And that innovation is in direct response to the innovation that has been taking place in the crypto world. And the crypto sure. world has been seeing the innovation take place because of the, the monetary policy, which is a direct result from our federal government. So all these domino yes. effects, you know, one after the other. And one of the parts that has been interesting to see is that they have acknowledged that things are fundamentally changing. And that's a good thing. And that right there gets me excited to know that not only are we seeing that things are open to being changed right now from a political means in our in our own world, but people in their own completely separate worlds in the marketing space. And I listen to sales and marketing podcasts galore too. So, you know, I'm hearing this, the very similar conversations happening, right. but they're happening throughout these, these, these different shows. They're happening throughout these different communities, which means people are primed for a different solution. And now it's the time to bring that solution to the table. And this is why I think we do have a chance and why we did have such success as, as the libertarians did back here on election day to really have that the ability to really meet the people who we need to talk to. And it is your average person, not the politico. And that's where we have to change the tune is to go back to focusing what you're doing. You're out in a Walmart parking lot talking to your average person more of that folks so mike I, I can't believe i just looked at the time we're already getting hard pressed at time so what i want to do is because right now obviously we are getting hard pressed not just for the time of the show but time for you you you're reaching out to voters we want to get voters excited about this election so 
Yes, we look January 11th, 2022, uh, just around the corner, really, just over two months. Uh, and with the holidays yep. coming up, I mean, Thanksgiving and, and Christmas are going to be here before we know it. I'm already seeing Christmas holidays uh, commercials on TV. So it's, yep. it's here. Uh, <laughs> Mar Mar Mariah Carey came out of her cave somewhere. Um, but anyways, yeah, it, we want to make sure that voters, uh, especially in the 20th Congressional di uh, District in Florida, can go ahead and have a call to action. But also, folks out there who want to go ahead and support your campaign, get more of your, your name out there. Uh, what can they do to help support you? Well, they can, uh, first of all, get in touch with me, right? Uh, you can email me. Uh, I'm going to give you my email address. I'm going to give you my website. I'm going to give you my phone number. And by the way, this is my real phone number. This is not some phony thing, right? Uh, the phone I carry in my pocket is 954-547-8996. And uh, if you feel like texting or phone calling and uh, chatting, uh, giving me ideas, uh, if you feel like throwing a few bucks this way, that's fine. I fund all of the administrative expenses uh, out of my own pocket. So every dollar this campaign collects is going to go to getting the message out. Uh, go to the website, MikeTermott2022.com. Of course, you'd have to spell it right, right? M-I-K-E is the easy part. My last name is T-E-R-M-A-A-T, MikeTermott2022.com. Get in touch with me, Mike at MikeTermott2022.com. Uh, we always need people who are willing to uh, uh, hang cards on, on doorknobs, uh, people who want to pass out cards, whether at the Walmart or anyplace else, people who want to, even if you just want a, a sign in your yard, if you live in District 20 or anywhere near District 20, and you would like a sign in your yard, I've got a hundred signs in my truck and I'd be happy to swing by your place and drop one off. There's all kinds of things that you can do. Uh, you know, go go see the Twitter account and pass uh, pass messages on that, that you like. Visit the Facebook page. Uh, get involved. It's about libertarianism. It's not about Mike Tremont. And I would uh, be sorely disappointed if someone uh, didn't get that straight away. Uh, if you think that I'm an income poop, you got to support this campaign anyway because it's about good libertarian issues. There we go. Mike Termot, what we will do is we will include not only all those links in the show notes, but we'll make it easy for folks. Go ahead, click the artwork on your podcast catcher. It'll bring you right to briannicholsshow.com, specifically today's episode where you can go ahead, catch Mike's bio, all of his links, and you can catch the entire transcript of today's episode. And by the way, when you're there, find almost all 400 episodes of the show. What? Where has the time gone in the past like four years? I don't know. But Mike, it's been a blast. And I think this is uh, just the beginning of the conversation. Um, thank you for bringing not only a libertarian choice to the table for the uh, the voters down in the uh, the 20th district there in Florida. But thank you for bringing your energy, your enthusiasm to the greater liberty movement and to the Brian Nichols Show community. But with that being said, it's Brian Nichols signing you. off here. Mike Termott, thanks for joining us. And thanks thank for the you, conversation. Brian. You got a great show. Alrighty, folks, that's going to wrap up our Sunday Candidate Highlight Series. Yeah, by the way, that was a Sunday Candidate Highlight Series. I know I forgot to mention that in the intro, but it was. But thank you, Mike Termont, for joining us on the program. The energy that Mike brings to the show. Uh, it's funny, I always get uh, I always get uh, comments from, from guests when they're on the show uh, talking about my energy levels I have. And they say, wow, you're going to really bring things up to a different level, huh? And I say, this is me, folks. I'm sorry. This is 100% natural Brian energy. And then uh, having Mike in the show, I'm like, goodness, this is... This is interesting. Usually I'm the one who's bringing all the energy. So thank you, Mike, for not only bringing the energy, but bringing a just phenomenal voice 
to the Libertarian Party in Florida. Uh, you're fighting the good fight, and uh, best of luck as we go out and uh, head to January. Yes, it's amazing. We're already going to be looking at another election here, January 11th, 2022. Folks, if you enjoyed the episode today, do me a favor, go ahead, make sure you share the episode, specifically if you live in Florida's congressional district there in the, the 20th, please make sure you share it, but also, just in general, folks, let's get Mike's name out there across the board. I think he is a phenomenal candidate, um, and again, we, we need to get as many folks to pay attention to what's happening, number one, but number two, to make sure they're seeing libertarians offering real viable solutions to the problems that people see before them. So, with that being said, folks, I thank you for joining us on the episode. Coming up tomorrow, yes, we're going to have a little bit different in terms of scheduling. I know you guys got used to our Monday either sales or marketing episodes where we're going to do a little quick flip. Uh, so, instead, on Monday, just for this week, we're going to have a great, uh, I almost said throwback, it's a throwback to one of our past guests, but a solo short and it will be a conversation and not really a conversation he'll be talking to you the audience member dr adrian bajan uh, focusing specifically on yes you know that magic f word freedom so a great conversation there and then on tuesday we'll be having our monday sales conversation instead i'll be having it uh with amazing sales legend craig elias so folks make sure you've hit that subscribe button so you're not missing a single episode of the brian nichols show and i promise yes we will have that sell liberty episode from jeremy todd dropping sometime soon but with that being said it's brian nichols signing off here on the sunday candy highlight series for mike termott we'll see you tomorrow thanks for listening to the brian nichols show Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe. Want to help us reach more people? Give the show a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. Find us at briannicholsshow.com and download the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me on social media at bnicholsliberty and consider donating to the show at briannicholsshow.com forward slash support. The Brian Nichols Show is supported by viewers like you. Thank you to our patrons, Daryl Schmitz, Michael Lima, Mitchell Mankiewicz, Cody Johns, Craig DaCosta, and the We Are Libertarians Network. Trust the experts. We're all in this together. If it saves one life. Raise your hand if you heard any of those tiresome phrases over the past year and a half. I know my hand is currently raised. Millions of people across dozens of industries were labeled unessential and forced to lock down with livelihoods and futures crushed in an instant. And as government has continued to expand its power and leverage fear to turn neighbor against neighbor, a group of filmmakers have taken a stand and are determined to help set the record straight on the importance of following the actual science of the pandemic. Follow the Science on Lockdowns and Liberty from the Sound Mind Creative Group is a brand new docu-series highlighting the stories of those negatively impacted over the past year and a half by ineffective government policies enacted in the name of following the science. With noted experts like Nick Hudson from Panda, the Pandemic Data and Analytics Organization, healthcare policy advisors like Scott Atlas, and telling the stories of business owners, families, and just your average everyday person harmed by these government mandates. Follow the Science on Lockdowns and Liberty is giving us a chance to make sure the true stories of the pandemic are told. So please help us at The Brian Nichols Show in supporting the Sound Mind Creative Group. With noted figures in the Liberty Movement like Dr. Tom Woods donating thousands of their own dollars to this project, you know just how important this project is. So head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash follow the science to donate and catch their brand new trailer to the docuseries one more time. That's briannicholsshow.com forward slash follow the science.